Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Big Big Ten Football Show. I am your host, Danny Mogo. With me is my boy, Lloyd Ribner, the former co-host of the Big Show. Yeah, we did it first, Big Ten Network. Lloyd, how's it going today? <laughs> I, I like I like that little subtweet. I like the podcast <laughs> subtweet, letting, <laughs> letting everybody know that not only did the Big Ten Network steal the show name, but they actually stole the artwork for the show on like right. half of their cable cable platforms for years. For years, they took our, our podcast cover art that was created, I believe, by my sister-in-law. And it that was, is what yep. the Big Ten Network decided to run with, you know, and really <laughs> just go out there and, and crush it. Hey, you know, some people are, are so to, uh, tone setters. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm happy to I'm happy to set trends. You know, let, you know, we 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 were able to bring that to the game. The Big Ten Network, you know, brought Velveeta and Rotel to the game, and you know, we're all here, uh, you know, enjoying enjoying some fun. So, all right, and today we're gonna be breaking down. It's kind of the uh, mid season point. You know, one of my favorite words, de facto. It's kind of like the de facto mid season point. Uh, seven Big Ten teams have played half of their games. Uh, another five have played five, so they'll be playing their sixth game this weekend. And two, Nebraska and Illinois have already played seven games, much to the dismay of their fan bases. Um, let's do uh, tier one, Lloyd. Tier one teams in the Big Ten, and I'll define these as uh, teams that have a, you know, are legitimate, not not just have a chance, but are you you believe to be legitimate Big Ten conference championship contenders? Yeah, and I, I think I think that that's a definition and, and that really outlines what we're talking about here. And it's not necessarily are you undefeated? Are you uh, you know who have you beaten? It's who can legitimately go out and stake a claim. Uh, to potentially end up in Indianapolis and win that Big Ten title game, most likely leading to a college football playoff um, playoff selection. And I'm a believer that there are four teams that are that qualify. In, in my eyes, under those guidelines, there are four teams that can really, uh, you know, state claim to say that's something that that is realistic for them. I think that there's a, a case to be made for a fifth, but for me, it, it's four four different programs. Uh, you know, that this week are able to, to say, hey, we're, we're, you know, we're making myself, Lloyd Ribner, a believer that we can make it uh, to Indianapolis and beyond. Yeah, I'm with you, Lloyd. I'm looking at my list and I also have four teams there. I'm going to take a guess. We have the same four. Maybe we don't. But uh, so I'll, I'm going to just throw my four out there and let me know if these are the same four you have. I have Ohio State. I have Michigan. I have Penn State, and then I have Iowa from the West. I'm with you. Those four are the four teams to me that, uh, you know, can state that claim. And like we said, I, I, we'll talk about them later. I think there's a fifth team and, and their fans are probably sitting there going, what What do you mean? What, why, why, don't, why don't we get to be part of this conversation, guys? We haven't lost a game yet. Um, but, you know, these are teams that just have a, a different, whether it's a talent level, whether it's something that, uh, you know, on one, to be honest with you, of those four teams, three of those teams are going to be playing a little mini round robin 
uh, against each Correct. other over the next month and a half. So we're going to learn a lot about them. And then when you look at the other side and you look at Iowa, um, you know, obviously very impressive, uh, you know, the way they were able uh, to hold off Penn State at home. But, you know, a lot of what makes Iowa such an appealing candidate at this point, quite frankly, is just what their schedule looks like as well. All right, let's stick with Iowa then. They are number two in both of the polls. They actually have one number one vote in the coaches poll. Um, the computers don't like them as much. Uh, ESPN's FPI has Iowa number 13 SP plus has Iowa number 16. So do you think one, are you leaning more towards the, the, uh, analytics and the numbers, or are you leaning more towards the polls with Iowa in terms of where they stack among those four teams? So, and, and this is where it's tough because for me right now, Iowa has the most impressive, uh, resume they have the most impressive win um they're the team in my opinion that has demonstrated on the field that they are uh the most deserving team to be at the top of this list yet at the same time um i'm i'm a believer that there are teams in the east that are just significantly more talented than them and you know i think penn state is one of them who they you know met on the field and uh Unfortunately, Penn State doesn't have a backup quarterback, or, or actually, their backup quarterbacks down in Kentucky. Uh, you know, correct drinking yeah. uh, mayo, drinking mayo coffee. Um, so he's he's and down eating there banana peels. Star, correct. So he's 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 doing he's doing his thing. Um, you know, so to me, I personally think that watching the that game against Penn State, I think that if you're an Ohio State fan, you're a Michigan fan, you're looking at that team as a, as a beatable team. If, if you end up seeing them in Indianapolis. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think I get why they're the highest uh, uh, rated team in the polls. I would not push back against that. They probably deserve it. Um, at the same time, I think if they played any of those three teams from the East on a neutral field, I'm probably picking the East team. And, and I think you know, not that this should necessarily be part of the equation, but I think it's fun to include it in the conversation. I believe Las Vegas would say the same thing as well. So, and I think you do have to factor in if Sean Clifford remains healthy, I'm not going to say for sure Penn State wins, but they were looking, it looked like they were on their way to a victory. Yeah, now now don't get me wrong. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, Clifford getting hurt doesn't change what Iowa did in regards to turning their offense around a bit and, and you know, actually deciding to co complete some passes and having that functional offense. But I mean, the reality is, is that all years far, and we're, we're halfway through the season for Iowa, as you mentioned earlier, as they're six and oh, you know, they've got probably in almost any other year, arguably the best defense in college football, but they're, you know, you got Georgia out there, um, you know, but they've got a top five defense in football. But the reality is, is, is at some point you have to feel like these turnovers do not continue, even like they might continue in some way, but not to the level and to the impact that they've had throughout this, this first half of the year. And, and, you know, there's got to be a regression to the mean at some point when it comes to that. And I think a lot of that happens when you start playing talented teams who, you know, Iowa has not faced an offense like Ohio State or, or a team like Michigan uh, that's been able to put the type of continuous pressure and strain 
that I think those two programs will end up putting on their putting on their defense. So we both uh, seem to like Iowa somewhat because of the um, geography and that they're in the West Division. Do you think? Do you think they they stay unscathed, run the table, and go to the Big Ten title game at twelve and zero, or do you think they get knocked off on the way there? Yeah. So I, I mean, I, at this point, I, I don't want to say it's easy to say, but I think it, it's it would be foolish to say that they won't be in Indianapolis representing the West. Um, I'm a believer that there isn't one specific game that I would necessarily pick uh, them to lose. However, at the same time, the collection of games, if I would, I would pick them to go five and one in those games. I think there are a whole bunch of different losable games for them. Um, and I think when you play the type of style that they do play, I think they're basically the football version of the Virginia Cavaliers in, in basketball, where when you slow the game down, when you limit possessions, it increases the likelihood of, of chance come into play where if you are making a, a mistake here, a mistake there, you don't get that turnover. Um, and and a, an opposing team is able to have that luck of the turnover, which we know is more often than not what it is from a statistical standpoint. Uh, you know, they could lose to a team in the West, in my opinion, uh, no question about it. Yeah. It's not going to be Northwestern. It's not going to be Illinois. Um, they play Purdue at home this week. They also play Minnesota. But the two probably, in my opinion, the next two best teams in the West are Wisconsin and Nebraska, both on the road, two teams that are having disappointing seasons who would love nothing more than to, you know, give some life, some juice to their season by knocking off Iowa and handing the Hawkeyes their first loss. Uh, Lloyd, before we move on from Iowa, I do want to give you a little nugget that I find absolutely fascinating. So this week, right, Iowa's playing Purdue at home. They are an 11-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, not every game had a number before the season, but the ones that did in the Big Ten, I wrote them all down, and I go back and check. What do you think that number was before the year? I would say it was somewhere around 10. It was actually 14-and-a-half. Okay. So it went. So Iowa is number two, six and zero. Purdue is two and three. So Purdue is kind. Yeah, Purdue is kind of who we thought they were, right? They're not. They're not really better or worse. They're kind of there. They're you know they were projected to go five and seven. So they're two and three, and somehow that number went down for Iowa. I think I, that's really intriguing to me. It's just weird. Yeah. Now I. I yeah. Now I will say the Boilermakers are three and two. Not two and three. Uh, um, sorry, sorry, about but that. but that, but either way, or, you know, not not important. At the, the the point still stands, and the fact that you know uh, the the Iowa Hawkeyes have moved to be the number two team in the country, and that line has moved down. Where at the same point, if I if I asked you preseason before, when that line came out, hey, by the way, when this game happens, I was going to be six and zero. Oh, and they're going to be the number two team in the country. Nobody would say that number would be smaller. I mean, that's just yeah. the reality. It's, it's pretty wild, man. It's pretty wild. All right, let's move on to the Big Ten East, where we have three of our uh, tier one teams. Um, I'll, I'll let you start it off. Who do, who do you think? You, you mentioned it before. The, these teams are going to play each other out, and we keep dancing around the name. 
Michigan State is also in the mix in terms of they're undefeated and and they're going to have their chance to play the three teams we have ahead of them. Uh, who do you think going into this is the favorite to win that Big Ten East and take on Iowa in the Big Ten championship game? So for me, the favorite to win the Big Ten East is still the Ohio State Buckeyes. And, and that to me has to do with the talent that they have. And there's yet to be a team in the Big Ten East that has proven that they're ready for that test. Is Michigan ready for that this year? Can Penn State bounce back from that loss to Iowa and prove that they're they're the team to do it? Um, you know, that hasn't happened yet. They're, they've got the number one offense in the country. They're blowing people out by a whole multitude of different, different uh, ratings and ranking systems. Um, it's not even close what they're doing offensively. And this is an offense that, you know, at the start of the year, people were talking about sitting C.J. Stroud and this isn't good enough, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, they've got, uh, you know, talent all over uh, the offensive side of the football. I believe seven of their starters were either the number one or number two player at their position in their recruiting class. Um, you know, so, I mean, you've got just immense. That's a good thing. Talent out there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is, people, people like that, uh, you know, that typically means you're going to be good at football things uh, when you got, when you got dudes like that with stars like that. And they've really turned, turned into that. The defensive side of the ball, I think is where the questions lie. And I, I think you've seen a lot of improvement on that side of the ball. However, you've also seen that improvement against teams that, aren't necessarily of the caliber that they're going to have to defeat if their ultimate goals that have been in mind since the start of the year um, will come true. You know, I, I think that uh, the, the Maryland offense, you know, I think you've seen them kind of show their true colors over the last couple of weeks against Iowa and Ohio state. And you see, Hey, like that, maybe this isn't the offense that we thought they were now granted against the Buckeyes that were missing some pieces as well. But um, you know, to me, it's kind of a, they're, they're still undefeated in the Big Ten. Um, I think they haven't lost a Big Ten uh, a Big Ten game under Ryan Day. And, you know, it's one of those pieces where kind of a uh, – until you prove it, I'm not going to believe it. So, to me, the Buckeyes, with all their talent, are still number, number two. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think uh, PF, uh, excuse me, FPI has them number three in the country. SP Plus has them number two. They're rated number six in both polls, which is ahead of both Penn State and Michigan, as well as Michigan State. Um, all three of those teams are in the top 10. Uh, I, I, There's nothing really I can add to what you said. They're clearly the most talented team. The question is, did their defense, is the defense really improved or is it how much of that is a product of the opponents? Um, they are, to me, without a doubt, the favorite at this point going into this round robin of the big 10 East, I guess my, my only question would be, I don't know uh, which angle would you take more? Would you still say they are, if you were doing tiers, could you almost argue, Hey, yeah, these four teams are in tier one, but Ohio state is still in their own tier. Or would you say because of the questions we have and because of the surprising play we've seen from Michigan and Michigan State this year, that maybe this is the year they're most vulnerable that we've seen in a few years. Yeah, so I, I would say it's kind of both. I think they are still, to me, the, the team on top of the hill that is the king of the Big Ten and everybody's still chasing down. But 
you know, I think it's a mixture of the Buckeyes kind of maybe coming down that hill a little bit and other teams starting to make their way up that hill and that gap closing. And I think the gap is closed to a point where the, these games might now be winnable. Um, you know, I mean, there's been a couple of years now where some of these games, especially, you know, the Michigan game, which, you know, any, any Jim Harbaugh detractor will let you know about um, where, where those games weren't even close. But the reality is, is I think that this is finally a, a year where, uh, unless that defense has really been able to flip, which I don't think we're going to know until holiday Halloween weekend uh, when they take on Penn State, uh, what their what what that defense really is. So uh, you know, I'm I'm excited to see it, but for for now, I think they're they're that top team in the Big Ten East, um, but they're not you know in that class by themselves. Where you know, I think for the last couple of years, it's been you know tier one Ohio State. And tier two is kind of that next pack. And I think that's really indicative of this college football season as a whole, because I think that's what you see naturally, you know, for the last couple of years, it's been Alabama, Clemson, Ohio state, Oklahoma, you know, there's been this, this small group of teams that has really dominated college football. And I think that's trickled down into some of the conference races, including the big 10, which we're talking about. And, you know, I I think the reality is, is that it's a more competitive landscape right now. All right, so if not Ohio State, who would represent the Big Ten East? Yeah, I mean, I, to me, it, it's got to it's got to be Michigan right now. Um, you know, Michigan's undefeated. Uh, you know, they went into they went into the, uh, the the dark night of of Nebraska, the red lights, et cetera. They they took care of business. Um, you know, it wasn't necessarily the prettiest win, uh, but they were able to get it done. Uh, as, as their quarterback let you know, that was the type of game that Michigan had kind of had an issue with over the last couple of years. That it had been a type of game where they go on the road and a team kind of comes at them with their best shot and maybe Michigan's not ready for it. Um, but it seems seems like they were and they were able to come together. They were able to overcome um, you know, personally, you know, as a side note, I've thoroughly enjoyed watching the Michigan players on their, on like their team social media, like absolutely embrace the villain role in terms of like going on the road and whether it was jump around, whether it was with the red lights in Nebraska, like thoroughly embracing and like dancing and partying. It looks like they're having fun, man. And I think that that's something that quite frankly felt missing at Michigan for a while. Like it felt like they were waiting to lose. And this year it kind of feels like, Hey, we're, we're out here. We're having fun. We're doing the thing we love and and it's working for them. Yeah. I, I, it definitely feels like there's something different with the Michigan program this season from, from past years. Um, I think you, you have to say, obviously, listen, it's only six games in, so there's a lot bigger games to be left to play, you know, three very, very tough games still remain on the schedule, but so far the early returns with the coaching staff revamp looks like a home run. I I think the way I view it, it's kind of like, this isn't the first time we've seen a Harbaugh team play with swagger. We've seen that before, but I feel like this team seems to have swagger, but also like a sense of urgency about them as well. You know what I mean? Where it's like, they're just, Almost, you know, like, let's go. Let's go. We're ready. We're ready to hit. We Every play is an important play. And I, I think that's a little bit of a different thing that we haven't necessarily seen from all his teams in the past. And I think the last game against Nebraska, 
Um, you know, there's so many ways you can look at that game, right? You can, you can take either angle of like, that was a nice win or that was, you know, who cares? Nebraska is only three and four. So don't get too excited about it. Uh, I'll say this. Um, I think it was good to see the offense uh, trail twice in the fourth quarter and have, you know, a 75 yard drive to, to, to retake the lead and then a 69-yard drive to kick a field goal. That's something this offense hasn't had to face all season. Those are the only two times they were on the field this year, trailing in a, in a football game. And then, you know, the defense, while, you know, they were collapsing in that second half, they really were. That third quarter was the worst quarter that defense has played all year, and the half was their worst half of the year. But at the very end, they, they made the big plays. You know, they got the forced fumble, and I know Adrian Martinez is trying to sell it that he stopped running. Um, you know, he should watch a replay himself. Maybe he forgot how that play was going out. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> they, they, they got that fumble and then they got the stop at the end to uh, seal the game. So I think it showed some qualities of, of you know, being able to pull out a win. And, and I know, I know um, A&M is a better team than Nebraska is, but I think, you know, let's be honest, Alabama is a better team than Michigan is. I think both of them kind of face similar nights in teams who this was kind of like their Super Bowl, you know, both A&M and Nebraska were so pumped up and hyped up for these games. Sometimes you just got to be happy to leave with a win. I know that's your mantra a lot. Like, yes, we talk about style points and who looks more impressive, but boy, wins, wins still matter. Yeah. I, 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 in a world of analytics, which I'm not against, like I'm a, I'm a stat guy. I'm an analytics guy, but at the end of the day, the most important stat is wins, right? Like it doesn't matter how good you look. And I, you know, I I mean, Penn State's a a team that, that could tell you that statistically the, you know, if you look at the SP plus, like they're, they're, I want to say they're number six and realistically they would, they would trade being, you know, number 16, if it meant that they could get that win back against Iowa. So yeah, I, I do think that that's something that that people need to look at. What I will say with Michigan, and you know, obviously, yeah, you know, I, I gave them their props to begin with, but I do want to kind of like temper it slightly. Um, you know, this is a team that has that has had four of their first six games at home. Um, mm-hmm. They have not necessarily been tested against any opponents of note when you look at the reality of what Nebraska and Wisconsin have been two of their last three games have been one score games against Rutgers and Nebraska. Um, you know, that Washington Winton earlier in the year doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, hold all that much weight. And, and you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I'd be lying to you if I told you what the records were for Western Michigan and Northern Illinois, but the four power five teams that they've played so far all have losing records this year. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to see what this means for Michigan moving forward, but I think that they've shown more than they've, than they have over the last couple of years. Um, and they have the ability to set themselves up to, to take on these three teams moving forward and, and get finally, finally get to Indianapolis, which has been eluding the, the maze of blue for years. All right, Lloyd, finally, we have Penn state and, uh, you know, I'm curious, uh, where, where do you think Penn State would stack up? Like, how much does that loss uh, hurt Penn State? You know, your answer was Michigan. Had Penn State been 6-0, and could have your answer been Penn State? Or even just if Sean Clifford was healthy, could have your answer been Penn State? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say it would be. Um, you know, I, I think that, I, to be honest with you, if 
if Penn State had won that game on the road, Penn State might be the, the number one team in, in this whole thing right now because of a mixture of, you know, hey, we're getting it done on the field but we're and we're getting wins, but we've also got the, the talent to be able to back it up, um, you know, across across the board. But the, the reality is, is, I mean, it was stark and evident that, you know, once he went out of the game, it was a completely different ball game. I mean, yep. let alone, you know, moving the ball up and down the field. I mean, they had a hard time just snapping the ball. Um, and obviously, Iowa's crowd was fantastic. And, and, you know, I think everybody in America, you know, who was tuned in said, wow, like this is this is the type of atmosphere, you know. I, I, one of those uh, one of those nights where, as a Big Ten fan, you kind of look at SEC fans and say, "Hey, we we got the juice too, guys. Don't 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 think you guys have uh, have the the market cornered on on like juiced up night games because when we bring it, I mean, it's it's top notch. But the reality is, is you know, once once that happened, that was that was very potentially the end the end of uh, you know what their year is if that if this injury is long term. But I mean, they they are the only team of this group, uh, you know, that has in conference faced another one of the, the top four teams that we're talking about. So, you know, obviously they have that loss on the ledger, but the reality is, is that they're, they're the ones who have been tested, you know, they lost yeah, it, uh, that game. Ohio state's lost their, their quote unquote tough game and Michigan hasn't played. One. Right. And, and they they have, you know, the toughest schedule because they're the only one that has to play Iowa out of those teams. So we're figuring that Michigan, Ohio state, Michigan state will have no losses against the West while Penn state has that tough one. Uh, definitely tough to take. Uh, yeah, I agree. If, if, if Clifford doesn't get hurt, there's a decent chance that Iowa's the team that is number two in both of these polls. I mean, excuse me, Penn state is number two in both of these polls and not Iowa. And honestly, I'm not sure how much better, Iowa's defense is than Penn State's. I think Penn State's is pretty darn close to Iowa's defense. Yeah, I mean, and like I said, I, I think the biggest piece is that takeaway factor, and that's what's really elevating Iowa to just a Correct. different level right now. Um, but in terms of down-to-down defense, uh, Penn State is definitely up there with any other defense that you want to put in its category. Again, outside of Georgia, they're just a different animal. Yeah, I, I, you know, to me, the concern for Penn State was they just simply can't find a consistent running game. And while we're talking about how much he was missed, and he was, I'm not necessarily the biggest Sean Clifford fan either. I mean, it's while he made plays and they had the lead and it looked like it might have been good enough that night, he did make a couple of bad mistakes as well. All right, Lloyd, tier two. Um, let's Let's say it. We both left Sparty off. Neither one of us are full-fledged believers in uh, what Michigan State is doing so far. Um, You know, but, you know, I think they're definitely the top of tier two, and I can understand why somebody would want to put them in that first tier. They are number 10 in the AP poll. They are number nine in the coaches poll. Um, they're a little lower though in the, in the, in the numbers game in terms of being 14 by FPI and they are 15 in SP plus. Yeah. And I think, you know, like as, as a, as a third, you know, Kenneth Walker, the third, 
has obviously, you know, struck a little, struck a little uh, special place in my heart. And, and he's doing everything he can to keep Michigan state in this, in this conversation. And, you know, I don't think without him, you know, they would be, they would be uh, where they are quite frankly. Um, but between him and Jalen Naylor, it's been very impressive. Uh, the type of displays that they've been able to put on Mel Tucker, uh, what what an incredibly quick turnaround and, and quite frankly uh, was put in the worst possible situation in terms of the way he the way he took over taking over a program late into a COVID year to be able to be six and zero. Oh, I, I think that's a testament to to what he's been able to do with the program, and I think that's why they are where they are in terms of my rankings is the fact that you know this doesn't necessarily mean that this is a bad thing for Michigan State, right? Being number five in the Big Ten is not a bad thing for Michigan State when you think about where they have come from so recently. Um, and I think that there's so much, you know, still growth potential available in front of them. Um, but it's definitely, you know, a, a, a tough road moving forward and a, another team that has kind of gone out and take, won the games that they are, quote unquote, supposed to win. And then, you know, surprise a team or two that, you know, maybe they aren't as good as the name that was on the schedule preseason uh, was going to be. Uh, you know, when you look at that win at, at Miami, what does that really mean at this point? The overtime win against Nebraska, et cetera. So, you know, they've won the games that they were supposed to win. And so to me, they are steady at number five, that top, top team in tier number two. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Um, I think I think part of it is that they were undervalued going into the season. You know, with a win total projection of four and a half to five wins, I think that was an overreaction to last season, which which you talked about. And yeah, it was you know arguably the most difficult job a new head coach has ever had to deal with in in recent college football history in terms of all the circumstances that he was. Uh, put in but you know they they beat a northwestern team that's terrible they beat youngstown state um i remember i watched the entire miami game and i remember i remember at the time saying i think this is this looks like it's more about miami and miami's just playing badly and now we're seeing that miami is maybe not that good even though that was a ranked win there i think michigan state was a little fortunate to win the nebraska game i mean you had a a punter you know who punted to the wrong side of the field. I don't know how that happens. I don't know if that's a mental thing or a physical <laughs> thing, but like, you know, basically they, they were, they absolutely shut down Michigan state in the second half, had a touchdown lead late in the fourth quarter. The coverage is to go to the right side. And he kicked a low kick to the left, right to Reed, who's a spectacular returner to his credit. He took advantage of it and uh, Michigan state won in overtime, then they, you know, WKU Rutgers. So I think their schedule is going to get a lot tougher and I'm just not sure how well they're going to stack up, particularly against, you know, Penn state, uh, Michigan and Ohio state uh, playing in their favor is they got two of those three at home in Michigan and Penn state, which are probably, if we're being fair, the two more winnable games. So I think, you know, the path to maybe winning two out of those three is set up for them. The opportunity is there, but to be honest with you, Lloyd, like, I don't know about you. Would you, I, I personally would not be surprised if they were to lose the game, let's say this week at Indiana or in a few weeks at Purdue, uh, I, I wouldn't be stunned by either one of those games. 
No, and I was actually just going to say that, like, before we get to that big game, because that Halloween weekend is huge with the Ohio State-Penn State game, the Michigan-Michigan State game. Like, that could be the, you know, that, like, the huge national stage for the Big Ten if if everybody comes in without without stubbing their toe this weekend. But the reality is, is that Indiana game is a game that I'm really interested to see. You know, it's kind of that game that, to me, is is really – uh, will will tell us more about the program because you know it's a sleepy game. Indiana has you know they were supposed to, or they, I don't want to say they were supposed to be. They came in with with some with some energy into this year, and it hasn't necessarily developed into wins. They've also played a real tough schedule. Um, you're going on the road, and you're going to be playing in a sleepy stadium at a, as a new game, and that's a game that I think that they could be looking ahead to the big matchup against Michigan, and they could be a lot closer. Uh, than than those necessarily think. Yeah, I agree. I think it's just, it's one of those just get the W, right? Like just get the W, right. even if even if it is all those things, find a way to come out of there with a victory, and then you know try to get get hyped up and ready for the big rivalry and, game on Halloween against Michigan. And, and to to me, what you just said, just get the W. I think that's the difference when you think about a Michigan State team, like. When you're talking about Ohio State, when you're talking about Iowa, when you're talking about Michigan, like you, it's not just if you win, it's how you win. For Michigan State right now, it's let's get wins. Like, let's get the win. Whether it's that Indiana game, Purdue game, Maryland game, like, let's get wins. Obviously, you want to win the Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State game. But those other, the other three games that are still left on the schedule, those are not games that are just give me check marks for this program. We're not at that point yet programmatically for them. So, you know, let's, let's see that. Let's see them be able to go in to Indiana before they have to take on Maryland. Uh, sorry, before they have to take on Michigan. Let's go see them take on Maryland before they have to play at Ohio State and Penn State. Like, to me, that's what I want to see from this program. And I don't think anybody at the end of this year will call it a disappointing year, at least I don't believe so, if they come out of that this season with a 9-3 and three record with their three losses to Michigan at Ohio State and Penn State. And I know if you're a Michigan State fan and you're listening to that right now, you're like, I, I would be disappointed. But remember what your expectations were heading into this year, and you would have signed up for 9-3 and three in a heartbeat more than likely. I mean, I would guess most people would have signed for 6-6, six and 7-5. Six, and five, um, prior, Correct. That's prior, what I'm saying. Prior so. to the season. So the, the, to me, the two big question marks I have for Michigan State is um, – explosive plays you sent me this they're they're ranked number two in the country not two in the big 10 but two in the country behind ohio state and explosive plays it's it's i don't can they maintain that and if not can they score enough points without the explosive plays because that's basically was their entire offense against Rutgers was four you know big yeah plays. I mean, four, three four huge plays, class yeah. yeah four plays yeah you know, three long pass plays and a 90-something yeah. yard run. Can they sustain drives against a better defense? And can their pass defense stop somebody? Because they give so much cushion on on the uh, uh, defensively. You know, I saw that in the Miami game, and it's been continued throughout. Western Kentucky was able to move the ball with them with ease through the air. So those are two big question marks I have for Michigan State. All right, LD, we got Tier 2, you know, these teams who are – not as good as this tier one teams, potentially teams that we think should or could finish ranked or maybe have that quality. 
um, teams that if they upset a tier team, one team wouldn't be the biggest shocker. Who else do you have in, in that tier other than Michigan state? Or are they the only ones? Yeah. For, so for me, it's weird. Like I kind of think that they're the only team in this tier too, for me um, to if this year, it's kind of the, the inverse of what I, I usually feel like the big 10 where Ohio state, that team up top. And then there's a secondary group below this year, it's, hey, there's this group up top of four, and then there's this one team that's sitting behind them. And to me, I find it hard to put Michigan State in the, in the same bucket as Minnesota, Purdue, Wisconsin, et cetera, at this point um, of the season based on their bodies of work and, and kind of what, what I think we're going to see from them moving forward this year. What do you got, Tim? All right, we, we can debate a little bit then. We, get, we can debate here because I, right. I, have, I have two teams – Okay. That I had that I have with them there, and um, I'm gonna bring. You know, I'm gonna bring with me. I'm gonna bring um, FPI with me, and I'm gonna bring your boy. I know you like Bill Connolly. I'm gonna bring SP Plus with me, and and this is why I have these teams there. But you know, I I do think I I do believe this, and the and the numbers are with me. So uh, FPI has Nebraska 22, SP Plus has Nebraska 24, and SP plus has Wisconsin at number seven in the country. So uh, yeah. those two teams, I think are in the same tier with Michigan state. And I would not be surprised if they all have similar records, although Nebraska is going to be harder now that they have already seven games in. And I know Nebraska is uh, three and four, um, but you know, three and, and the first game you can't excuse, right? You can't, you can't, and you don't get a do-over. That's not how sports works. You don't get to play Illinois this week. It was a stinker. It's on your ledger. But since then, they have played six games, only three and three. But in those six games were three losses to top 10 teams by a single score. They lost by a touchdown to Oklahoma. They lost by a field goal just now to Michigan at the end of the game. And they lost in overtime to Michigan State. So they played... Three top 10 teams, basically close to even, didn't, weren't able to pull any of those out. Um, and, and, you know, when I saw them head to head on the field against Michigan State, they look like the better team. Now, I totally get the pushback. The pushback is going to be, you know, not to put words in your mouth, but the pushback is going to be, but the point is to win the game, right, Dan? So it's nice that you can be in these games, but if you can't win them, what good is it? Yeah. And, and uh, it doesn't mean that I have those teams because those teams are, are that next grouping for me, right? Like those teams are, are, you know, that next tier of team. And it's not just like Michigan state isn't that far off for me in of that four team tier one, those teams that you mentioned, Wisconsin with their unbelievable defense, which, yeah, if you pull up their schedule and you see games where they've lost 38-17 and 41-13, like that's not their defense's fault if you watch those games. If you sat down and watched those games, that number is not indicative of the way their defense played for 60 minutes of football. Um, so Correct. I, I Correct. do believe that they're there, but the, but the reality is, is that to put those teams in the same level for me as Michigan State – just isn't isn't indicative of who they've been uh, for this entire season, and I, I think that there's a higher likelihood that Michigan State ends up in this group 
then they do end up in that top group. If I had to be a betting man and, and push my chips in the center. Uh, but for me, those, those teams, because not, Hey, we're not here doing standings, right? If we, if we were doing standings, you and I would not need to have, we yeah. could turn our microphones off right now. And we could just post a, we could screenshot the standings and post them on Instagram or something, Twitter. The, to me though, those teams, when you're looking at, you know, uh, three losses and four losses, it makes it real difficult for me to be able to move forward. with them. I get that. And, and I think ultimately, uh, and, and by the way, you know, Wisconsin, we're talking about a team who's number one in the country in rush defense. Like I, I would not be surprised at all if, if Wisconsin's defense ends up being statistically as good or better than Iowa's, that is a tough, tough defense. And as you mentioned, that first game against Penn state, a top 10 team also who Michigan state has yet to play. Um, you know, we, we talked about how, who Michigan state played, you know, the Nebraska and, and Wisconsin have both played a bunch of top 10 teams. So I think that that's gotta be accounted for as well. Their schedules are top heavy. Um, you know, Wisconsin had the ball in the fourth quarter twice with chances to beat Penn State in that opening game. The game against Notre Dame, they they were the team that, you know, knocked out the other team's quarterback, had the lead 13-10. You had the kickoff return for a touchdown, then two pick sixes. Um, and the, the, the one game where they were really, you know, beat from start to end was the Michigan game. And that's where their quarterback got hurt in the game where they were never really in that game. You know, they had a brief moment where they had like a, a quick uh, touchdown drive to end the half to bring the game close, but then Michigan pulled away in the second half. Um, what's the deal with your boy and though? I got to say, what's the deal with your boy grammar? I was going to say that's, I was going to say like, so first of all, like when, when we're talking about these, like these are three to four lost teams and that's my issue, right? If there was one or two losses, like that's one thing. We're talking about three or four losses when we're talking about this, those teams, that's number one. Number two, when, when I think of Wisconsin, this, this whole thing was supposed to be, we have Wisconsin and like, we know who they are. We know what they're going to bring to the table year in, year out. They've been doing it forever. And what are we doing? We're now going to be adding a big time talented quarterback to this, to this, you know, uh, to this dish and, and that's really going to make it pop. And unfortunately, uh, you know, that, that just hasn't been the case since uh, that game against Illinois last year, where, you know, he was given away, he was throwing touchdowns like Oprah was giving away cars. But I mean, the reality is, is he just has not lived up to what he was supposed to be when he showed up. And this isn't a case of, Oh, he was highly ranked, but other programs didn't feel that way about him. And that's why he ended up in Wisconsin. Like this was a guy who had a committable offer to both Ohio state and Michigan. Um, yep. Like this is a guy that everybody wanted. He chose to be the, the guy who was going to change Wisconsin football. And, you know, unfortunately they've, that hasn't happened at the same time where they've kind of forgotten how to run the football at the same time. And it's just, it has not worked that well for them. Yeah, no, the offensive line isn't what it used to be. They don't have a, a big-time uh, running back. Uh, Jalen Berger's now gone, although this freshman, Allen, uh, who is looking pretty good so far, they, maybe they found the guy in season. But I think the key there is definitely going to be uh, Mertz and could he potentially turn things around. So if, if you have uh, Nebraska and Wisconsin 
in your tier number three, which I would say, you know, teams that we believe should make a bowl. Um, who else do you have in that tier with them? Additionally, in the should make a bowl tier. Uh, with or even could, could, should in the conversation. Yeah. So I've, I've got Nebraska, Wisconsin. I've also got Minnesota. Um, and I've got Maryland as well. Okay. All right. Let's, let's talk about them. Let's talk about the Terps and the Golden Gophers. Um, two teams yeah, who I think we, you know, who maybe at certain points look like maybe they'd be two tier teams, right? Absolutely. I think that those are teams that uh, there's a lot of good going on for them. I think that there's, you see the deficiencies when they play that high end program. And I think it's really easy for a fan to, to of the big 10 or, or nationally to look around and go, well, well, Maryland got their butts kicked by Iowa and Ohio state. So clearly they're not very good. And it's like, well, that, if that's the barometer, then we can all just shut off, shut off what we're doing right now and, and just play like a three team, four team type of type of season. And, and I think this is part of what I love about college football is we were, and it's been diluted by the college football playoff, but like we're all playing for something. Right. And there can be positive seasons that still have losses, but that end up in whether it's bowl trips, whether it's uh, rivalry wins, et cetera. And to me, you know, the Maryland, Maryland Terrapins, the, the Minnesota Golden Gophers, like these are, these are programs that are moving in the right direction. Um, you know, and while obviously it was an ugly loss, the reality is, is, you know, uh, Tagovailoa was significantly better against Ohio State, while, you know, obviously the scoreboard didn't read, read that, um, but he did not make the mistakes. It's hard to be worse than what he was against Iowa. Um, but you know, the, they kind of, they kind of looked a lot more like themselves and just happened to be up against a much, much uh, tougher team. And, you know, I'm excited after their bye week to see them go take on Minnesota and kind of see what, what they look like coming out of that bye week off those two blowouts. And, um, I think it could be a really fun matchup for this, this tier that I've created. Yeah, no, I agree. I, and I think, you know, this is a program that has not made a bowl since 2016. They haven't finished with a winning record seven and six since 2014. So I think this is without a doubt, you know, for a head coach who's never had a season with a winning record or ever made a bowl. So I, I think where they are right now is fine. I think this is, this still has a chance to be a very positive uh, a very, you know, step in the right direction type of season for the Terps. They have a very good quarterback. They seem to be playing, you know, smarter, tougher than they have in the past. I feel like, you know, you you talked about the McNamara saying that was a game Michigan would have lost in the past. Well, I feel like, you know, they they had a bunch of things go against them, even though they were out playing Illinois in Champaign and we're down seven in the fourth quarter with like six minutes left. They drove down the field, tied the game, got the ball back, kicked the field goal, and won in regulation. They didn't even need to go to overtime. And I know, yeah, it's Illinois, and Illinois stinks. But at the same time, I, I was watching that game, and I said to myself, that's a game that Maryland loses in the past four or five years. So I think yeah. they're, they're clearly making a, a progress there. 
No, they definitely are. Um, you know, and, and like you said, I, I mean, this it wasn't a hire that I was excited about, but he's clearly Same. moved them. But the, he's moved them in a direction, in a positive direction. I'm a believer that both the Rutgers program and the Maryland program, uh, you know, I think who both were kind of a, a right, they were right written off and, and kind of laughed at by Big Ten fans. These are two teams that are are in areas where there's there is talent, there is fertile recruiting grounds, and you know I, I think you're going to continue to see them improve and get better. Um, and I think you've seen that from both teams. It doesn't mean either team is is a, a good team uh, necessarily this year, but you can definitely see uh, marked improvement within these programs um, under under their new head coaches. Um, and then on, on the Minnesota side, you know, I'm, I'm always kind of a, a little, a little torn with, with Minnesota. I think PJ Flex done a really good job um, overall. Uh, at the same time, I, I'm a believer that Minnesota is often overlooked as a program. Uh, you know, the previous iteration of the Gophers, the Jerry Kill, Tracy Clays, uh, you know, their win, their win percentage was not all that different than what PJ Fleck was, you know, Glenn Mason was a, was a, uh, above 500 coach for a decade, um, you know, from the mid nineties, mid late nineties to the mid two thousands, um, up in Minnesota. So like, this is a, a program that has not been, you know, what Indiana has been or what Illinois has been for, for a bunch of years. This has been a team that, that has seen success has gone to bowl games. Um, so, you know, it wasn't necessarily the, the climb or, or, you know, something that that was just this unbelievable piece for them. Um, but, you know, Minnesota has been able to uh, put wins together. And I think the key is kind of like what they did against Purdue, where just get those wins. It wasn't pretty. They won by seven, uh, but they were able to, to put the W, the a big game in the West where you're fighting for that positioning um, in the standings over there. They've got to figure out who's going to be run the football now that they've had a big injury uh, to Trace and Potts, who, who's been doing a good job for them. But the reality is, is, hey, um, you know, when you're when you're looking at the standings, you if you're Minnesota, you need to beat Purdue. You need to beat Nebraska. You need to beat Illinois and Northwestern. Those are the games that you need to walk into every year saying those need to be W's for us to be successful. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, Minnesota made a bowl game seven out of eight years before Fleck came in and his record there right now is 27 and 23, you know, so he's been okay. He's been okay. And I, I think that's it. I mean, you know, I'll give him props for an 11 win season, you know, which is their only uh, double digit win season since 2003. So he did get them to the highest high, but overall he really hasn't, you know, rode that boat much farther or faster than than previous coaches and the reason why i have them why i don't think they're in the tier with a nebraska or a wisconsin is because while they have a loss to ohio state they lost to bowling green lloyd they lost to bowling green yeah, it was a bad they, loss they, it was they, a bad loss they struggled to beat miami ohio at home 31 to 26 those are two max schools that are not even good max schools uh, they barely beat Purdue by a touchdown. So I, I think, you know, I think if Nebraska or Wisconsin had Minnesota's schedule, they'd be riding on a five, you know, five-game winning streak right now, four-game winning streak. And, um, you know, the, their win against Colorado 
which was 30 to nothing is looking less impressive by the week, right? Because the Buffaloes look like arguably one of the worst power five teams in the country right now. So I, I think there's a lot of question marks um, regarding the, the Minnesota team. Uh, I, I have a little more positive outlook on Maryland in terms of the trajectory. Um, I think the next two games are very key for Minnesota because they're playing those two teams. They're playing teams that are in that tier with them in Nebraska in your tier with them, at least, and then Maryland, who we both feel, and they're both at home. You know, you, you think they win both of those games? I think they need to if they want to stay up in this tier. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, Lloyd Ribner is calling you out, PJ Fleck. I don't know if you're listening. <laughs> I think you are. He's calling Listen. you out. You want to stay in Lloyd's tier three. This is what you got to do. I mean, listen, you know, I mean, we, we hold high standards here, Danny. I mean, you know, just 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 uh, just rowing the boat all day isn't going to get it done. I mean, and that's what I was talking about. You got to beat those teams that you know are kind of those comparable programs. And, and you know, Northwestern and Maryland are two teams that if Minnesota wants to be like, if, if Minnesota can, needs to get to where they just feel like they deserve to be or where they should be as a program, those are games they need to win. They need to win each of their next three and roll into that game against Iowa with some juice. They've got to beat, they've got to beat Nebraska. They've got to beat Maryland. They've got to go on the road to Northwestern and take care of all three of those games. Um, You know, to me, those are games that, uh, you know, sorry, the Maryland Northwestern Illinois games need to be games that they win. Nebraska is a game that they should be, should be a measuring stick for them. That should be a game where they say, Hey, uh, you know, where, where are we able to stack up? And right now, you know, th- that's, a, that's the type of game where Nebraska, in my opinion, still believes that they're the better team easy walking into it. And, right. Sounds and like see. to me you're saying these teams are not in the same tier. I don't know. I don't know, but that's what it sounds I, like to me. I mean, Minnesota they're, at home. They're in the, well, I mean, there's, Dan, there's got to be some segmentation of, <laughs> uh, uh, of these tiers. I can put each T, I can put, we could have like 10 tiers you want to talk about it that way. I mean, we got to have some break of where the tiers are. Unfortunately, somebody ends up in tier three. Somebody ends up in tier four. You know, this, this is the society we live in. Today. All right. So like you, I do have four teams in this tier. Obviously not the same four. We both have Maryland and Minnesota. You included Nebraska and Wisconsin as one. I think Nebraska is ahead of them. Maybe you think they're ahead of them too, but within the same tier though. But I will add the two teams from the great state of Indiana in the Hoosiers and the Purdue Boilermakers. These are not teams that I think necessarily are, you know, great teams or will definitely make a bowl game. But I think they're both um, quality teams. I think there's things to like about both of their programs. I think Indiana still has some pieces that I like on defense. Uh, They really have a talented secondary um, when before their their linebacker Micah McFadden got thrown out of the game, they were controlling the game against Cincinnati. That was a huge play because not only was he thrown out for targeting, but it gave them a first down. They were going to punt the ball. They scored a touchdown. Uh, d- doesn't mean they you know couldn't have still won the game. Obviously they could have. But I've seen Indiana play against a team that's ranked in the top ten, and it looked like they belonged on the field with them. And uh, in terms of Purdue, they, you know, I saw them play uh, Minnesota 
not that long ago. And uh, it was an ugly game. It was bad weather. It was a home game and uh, they lost by a touchdown. It kind of felt like a toss up game. Uh, could have gone either way. Purdue is, as you corrected me, is three and two. Uh, they played Notre Dame pretty tough, 27-13. It was a 2013 game, and Notre Dame broke off a long run. Um, their win against Oregon State is looking like a better win, right? Because Oregon State's looking like a potential bowl team. So I, I think, you know, Purdue and Indiana are kind of, in my opinion, in the similar uh, uh, class as Maryland and Minnesota Tell, tell me why they should just stop playing football and just play basketball. Tell me, tell me. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the state of the state of Indiana would make you believe that they only play basketball to begin with, with the way that they support those programs typically. Um, fair, however, fair. outside uh, of South know, Bend. And, and, correct. And, and Hey, Indiana Purdue fans, let us, let us know that we're wrong. Um, but I mean, it, I, I, to me, when you're, when you're an Indiana team that that's sitting here, uh, you know, and I think, you know, unfortunately some of it is, is expectation and the fact that they're playing in the, in the big 10 East. And, you know, that's again, realities of what's going on is that they, they do end up playing teams uh, that, that make it a little bit more difficult for them to succeed. Uh, that, that Cincinnati game, obviously, you know, you know, they, they fought tough. Um, I, I'm also a believer and, and you and I have talked about this, that, you know, if, if Cincinnati was in the big 10, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be a top five team in the country. Um, so it's Agreed. hard for me to, to yeah. give them that credit when I also don't believe that they deserve to be there, quite frankly. Um, you know, in, in Indiana, you know, has, has beaten Idaho and Western Kentucky this year. But they beat I, I Western think Kentucky by two, but they beat Western I, Kentucky by two points. So I, we talked about, I think, Minnesota think, struggling against Mac teams. No, I was going to say, I, I think you agreed with at least that, you know, Cincinnati is a good team. It's not a top. Cincinnati is, yes. Cincinnati yeah, is that, that's, a good, a good team. But to me, when, when your two wins are against Idaho at home and, and Western Kentucky and you beat them by two, and then you follow that effort up by getting shut out against Penn state, it's hard for me to feel like, Hey, this is a team that I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, say they deserve to be at this tier. To me, they've done it to themselves at this point um, where they have not really shown up uh, to, to be successful week in, week out so far in the first half of the season. And I don't really see it getting much easier when you're going to play Michigan State, Ohio State, and Michigan in three of the next four weeks. Like, I think it's, I think it's real possible that this team is, you know, two and seven potentially after that stretch. Uh, it's definitely, it's definitely possible. It'd be three and three and seven, I believe. No, two and seven. Or oh. three and seven. I think yeah. it would be two and seven if they lose them all. Yes. Yes. Right. If they, it could be that you're right. It, it definitely could be that. I think um, I, I don't want to hold their schedule against them and they have an absolutely brutal schedule. I mean, they've already played three teams who are ranked in the top 10. Right. In Iowa, Cincinnati, Penn State, those are their uh, three losses. They have coming up Michigan State. That's another top 10 team. Then they have at Michigan. That's another top 10 team and Ohio State. So, I mean, three top 10 teams in the top half of the schedule, three top 10 teams in the bottom half of the schedule. 
I would argue that, you know, if they're, you know, let me see Minnesota play against that schedule and see what their record would be. You know what I mean? Let me see some of these other, this is a brutal, tough schedule. So I think even if they finished five and seven, they might deserve to be in this, in this uh, uh, third tier, at least not in the bottom, bottom tier of the big 10. And while they have losable games, they have some winnable games. We both agree that this week, right against Michigan state is a winnable game. Yeah, I would say Michigan State's a winnable game, yes. All right, so you got Michigan State, a winnable game. At Maryland, a winnable game. Rutgers at home, Minnesota at home, and at Purdue. So I think they still have five winnable games. I don't – They do they get four? I'd say probably not. Could they get – you know, could they go three and two in those? I, I think there's a decent chance – that they could go three and two in those. I think if they, if they beat Michigan state this week, this is probably their key game in terms of getting to six and six, which I think if they did would be a fantastic season. You know what I mean? That their number in the preseason was seven and a half that they were one of my unders that I loved a lot. You know, I thought we both thought, right. This team was overrated going into the season. Absolutely. So like, you know, I'm taking that out of my mind because I, I didn't agree with anybody you know, last season was a weird year. It was a COVID year. So to me, the way I looked at last year was if you did something an, 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 an anomalous, if you had your best season ever or your worst season ever, I kind of feel like, eh, I don't know if that's real. And, and then on top of that, they literally beat no teams that finished with a winning record last year. So I thought they were way overrated going to the season, but I still think they're kind of a respectable team. And, and I think, you know, when they play a Rutgers or too bad, they don't have Illinois Northwestern on the schedule, I think they're definitely ahead of those teams. Um, how about Purdue then? How about Purdue? Why, why no love for Purdue? What did the Boilermakers ever do to you, Lloyd? What did the Boilermakers ever do to me? I mean, listen, uh, I guess, I guess some of the questions. Oh, I know. I know what they did. Wait, I know what they did. They've done a little, <laughs> they've done a little over my time. Um, you know, but uh, again, similar to what we were talking about that, that Purdue Purdue schedule where, you know, congratulations on your, your wins against Connecticut and Illinois, um, you know, losing at home to Minnesota, uh, you know, and, and like you said, that Oregon state win is definitely better uh, than, than we thought it would be going into this year. Uh, but I, I think that they're just, to me, this is kind of just a, they're, they're steady, they're standard. They, they haven't done anything that excites me. They haven't done anything that makes me say they've been terrible. Um, you know, they're kind of uh, uh, just a, 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 like a zero, a zero in terms of, you know, excite like that, where my emotions go with this, with this team and with this program. Um, I want to, I want to say Brahm is like, has three wins against Iowa during his career, which, you know, uh, sometimes there's just that that thing that a, a coach has uh, against another program, and I, I don't necessarily see that happening. But it, it's interesting to see them go on the road at Iowa, and you know I'm I'm really interested to see what happens with uh, you know with the, with their games against Wisconsin and, and, and Nebraska coming up because you know right now this is a team that uh, I think there's a lot left to be written in the story of the 2021 uh, Boilermakers. Yeah, I agree with three wins already with um, Wisconsin at home. We've talked about their struggles at Nebraska, Michigan State at home, uh, Northwestern at home and Indiana at home. I, You know, their path to getting six wins 
is much more realistic than Indiana's path. Correct. And, you know, as we talked about that Indiana schedule is just absolutely brutal uh, with, with Purdue at three and two, obviously that, that extra win helps, but to me, you know, they have, if we're not going to include Iowa and Ohio state as winnable games to me, uh, you know, that, that Wisconsin game, the Nebraska game, the Michigan state game, the Northwestern game and the Indiana game are all winnable games uh, for this program. And, and to me, you know, they've got a much better chance. Like if, if we had to sit here and bet on which of these two teams from this, from the state of Indiana is going to be going bowling this year, I, I would, I would have to be back in the Boilermakers. I mean, ironically, it's, it's kind of like their defense has, that has held them together this season. If the offense picks it up a little bit, I think they really have a legitimate, you know, legitimate chance. Only 13 points against Penn State. Only th- they've scored 13 points in three straight games. At Notre Dame uh, yeah, versus mean, Illinois and, and against Minnesota, while the defense has played better than it has in years past. Yeah, SP Plus has their defense as the number 32 defense in the country. Their offense is ranked 63rd, um, which when you think of when you think of a Brom team, that's not what you what you kind of picture. Uh, so it's it's definitely been an interesting, interesting year. And, um, you know, like you said, if they're able to kind of get that to click, if they're if they're able to get more consistency on the offensive side, um, you know, they, they might be able to, to sneak up and, and beat some of these teams. And I, I do feel the need, Lloyd, to point out that their 49-0 to zero thumping of UConn is the biggest loss the Huskies have suffered this season, okay? Because people, and you know, I, people, I mean, the, people Huskies, love, the Huskies just lost to UMass. <laughs> they did, only by 14, only by 14. And the, those Huskies went, you know, went to SEC country and only lost by two points. <laughs> Against the uh, that, Vanderbilt, that Vanderbilt was the one dollar ticket game, I believe, in Nashville, where uh, <laughs> where you saw people buying tickets for one dollar on StubHub and then telling people about it on Twitter, as if you know, <laughs> there's a reason why the game was available for one dollar. You weren't getting a steal, my man. If anything, you paid more money in fees than you did for the ticket. For sure, for sure. All right. So, does that mean you have five teams in your bottom tier? Is that correct? So I, yeah. So it, the the five to me the the you've got those five teams in the bottom tier. Um, you know they are, uh, you know, just teams that just. If you look at it today, you can. I don't want to say their seasons are done, but they need to be playing for improvement. They need to be playing for, you know, how can we get better? How can we work towards something greater programmatically as opposed to. Hey, this is this could still be something this year in 2021. All right, so you got Indiana and Purdue in that tier. I have um, Rutgers, Illinois, and Northwestern. Ugh, I mean, that's a to me that's a rough bottom three in, in terms of what we've seen. Uh, Rutgers has probably shown you the most, both in terms of. For sure. um, actual play on the field right you know they've they've performed better than the other two teams have um you know they're ranked 67th in sp plus uh northwestern is down at 82 i actually thought northwestern would be last but illinois is even 13 lower at 95 um very very in my opinion 
very disappointing uh, season from the Illini, even even from the expectations, you know, without high expectations. But it does seem like Greg Schiano does have that uh, ship going in the right direction, right, in terms of uh, what's going on in, in Rutgers. The recruiting is also up, which obviously, you know, is not something you're going to see on the field this year, but for years to come. But it just seems like that team is um, better coached. Um, they're, they're well coached. They play hard. They know what they're doing. Um, they're still very limited in terms of talent, though. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think for me, the best way to say it is like they play competent football. Um, yes. They, they, they can go out there and not shoot themselves in the foot over and over and over again. They do not necessarily have the talent that they need to be able to compete. Um, they've got a couple of pieces that are exciting. Um, but you know, in terms of, uh, playing 60 minutes of football. And I think that's what you saw last week against the state where, you know, they were able to make it a competitive game for 30 minutes. Um, you know, it was basically tied up at half and then, uh, you know, just, they were unable to take advantage of every opportunity that was put out there. And when, when you're a team like Rutgers, like you need to, I don't want to say play a perfect game, but you can't leave points on the board the way that they did where, and then Michigan state comes out in the second half and says, all right, let's, let's start putting up those big plays that we were talking about. Um, you know, so I, I think that really kind of defined who they are. I think they're a team that can play with anybody in this conference outside of maybe the top one or two teams. And you've seen that when they've played Michigan and Michigan state, there have been large stretches of time where they've kept it competitive, um, but they're just not able to put that together in 60 minutes. Yeah, no, the offense is just really, really limited there. The, you know, they, they struggle to run the football. Um, the quarterback does not throw the ball down the field at all. And when he does, it's, it's, he's among the most ineffective quarterbacks um, in, in terms of trying to stretch the field. So it's a lot of dink and dunk stuff. Um, they actually have a really, really good player in Bo Melton, a wide receiver, mm-hmm who was a four-star guy out of New Jersey, originally went to Michigan, went back home, transferred to Rutgers, really, really talented kid. But, you know, he just doesn't get a chance to put up any numbers because, you know, there's times he's wide open. You know, I remember watching the um, Syracuse game with my brother and uh, who went to Syracuse, and there was a play where he was wide open for a touchdown. And uh, uh, Verdell, the quarterback, just sailed it you know, 10 yards over his head. Melton's a guy I wouldn't be surprised. Like he, he might go in the third or fourth round of the draft and people are going to be like, who's this guy, you know, and they're going to look at his numbers and be like, what's, what's, what's the deal here, but it's not his fault. You know, they're just limited. Um, Illinois though, with all their super seniors back with, with an offensive line that was considered to be by many, like a top half of the big 10 offensive line, or at least like a middling type of offensive line, They've really, really had some stinker games here, you know, where it's just like they're, they, they really don't give themselves a chance. And especially coming off that win against uh, Nebraska to start the season, you had some cause for optimism. I kind of figured UTSA would be a tough game. Uh, Maryland was very dis- – a, a Virginia game, they got spanked. Then they lost a couple of games they could have won uh, in Maryland and Purdue – and then last week they were just absolutely outclassed by Wisconsin, twenty four nothing. It's just been like, a really, really less than, no, yeah. They had less than a hundred yards of total offense against Wisconsin. Yeah. I mean, yeah, 
<laughs> when you when you have less than a hundred yards of total offense in a game, I mean that that speaks to that's not you know hey we're not playing well or hey you know we had a bad day that just speaks to the complete utter lack of ability to play competent football on offense, which is what you see. I mean to me they are absolutely atrocious offensively. Uh, you know, and it's not it's not any better with the two quarterbacks playing. Um, you know, I think there was that that it was fun with uh, Art Sikowski that that first week where they were able to to beat Nebraska, and then there was a little bit of comeback to reality. Brandon Peters has come back. Neither of them has been able to come in and, and really do much of anything uh, from an offensive perspective. Yeah, they were 11 of 34 passing for 67 yards. So I, I don't need my calculator to figure this one out. They were a yard short of averaging two yards per pass attempt. I mean, that's yeah. just it. The run, the run game wasn't much better. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. But the, the run game did average two yards a carry. So it wasn't much better, but actually it was better, which is, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah, Peters is, and, and the crazy thing is both of these guys were highly touted kids coming out of high school, Peters and Sikowski. And obviously, you know, had they played to their talent level, they would not be in Rutgers right now. Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, these are guys that are there for a reason. Um, there's a reason why they ended up there. And, um, you know, I, I just, I just think that this is going to be a long-term built for this program and everybody if you're an Illinois fan you got to sit there and say hey like I'll buy I'm buying in because buying in today and you know the trust me as a New York Knicks fan in the NBA it takes a long time sometimes um, but the feeling is worth it when you have that success and that success might might never look like what you'll see at Ohio State and Michigan um, although I'm I'm a firm believer that Illinois is arguably the most underrated job in the Big Ten. Uh, to me, this is a, a, pro, a program and, a, and a, a job that that has a lot of positive things going for it. And, you know, they think they've got their guy. They've brought in a head coach that has had success, who's won at a big level in this in this conference. And But I, I think it's, you know, this is – it's potentially three years before you really even see much of any uh, – proof of concept. So, you know, take that for what it's worth because it might be a while. Yeah. I, I think the, to me, I, I was a little bit more optimistic about this team because uh, largely because of the O-line, which was, you yeah. know, we're talking a lot of fifth year seniors, a couple of even sixth year seniors, mm -hmm. guys that have been here, you know, two years ago in 2019, Peters completed 55% of his passes. I know it's not great, but right now he's at 48. So that's that's a significant drop-off. He had 18 touchdowns to eight interceptions, averaging 6.9 yards a pass. If he gave them anything close to that, you know, that would be a monster upgrade of what, what they've been doing. He, he, you know, he's he's really, I know he's dealing, he's dealt with injuries too, but he's really taken, you know, a step back in terms of his play this season. And, I, you know, I think that's why it's a disappointing year because I thought, yes, I thought this was going to be a big rebuild, but I thought this year could be a, a little bit of a better year just because they had so many guys coming back plus some big, you know, not big time transfers, but some decent transfers coming in to fill out their depth. But it just really hasn't uh, fared out for, well, for them very well. Um, you know, I'm not, 
I was feeling a little more confident about my over three and a half wins after week one than I am feeling today, but I still got a <laughs> shot, Lloyd. I still got a shot uh, with the Illini. Uh, you know, they got Rutgers in a couple of weeks and they, they end with uh, Northern Illinois. And of course, uh, Rutgers play, excuse me, Northwestern, not Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois actually might be a tougher game. Um, speaking of Rutgers and Northwestern, they, they play this week. Are, are you pumped up for this game? I feel like uh, like it's it's the the end the end of the year when you know last year when they were talking about you know one versus one two versus two you know championship <laughs> champions weekend uh, in the Big Ten you know this is and and at the time I was talking about the concept where like to me one of the games you're most interested in is that last place battle because you're playing for something like nobody cares about I don't want to say nobody but like the average person it doesn't matter if you're the third or fourth or fifth or seventh fifth or sixth or whatever but who wants to be last like there's a pride to say I don't want to be that team I don't want to be that program so I, I think that there's going to be something to it I personally believe that that Rutgers is, is the better team here I mean Northwestern's just been absolutely abysmal this year I mean it's remember while Rutgers has lost three straight, remember who they've played. You know, they played the, the top end of uh, they played the top end of, of the big 10 where you played Michigan Ohio state and Michigan state. And they've played two of those games relatively tough. I mean, Northwestern lost to Nebraska by like 50 points, um, you know, a, a week ago. So, I mean, this is, this is a team to me that is just not, I mean, they, they're not playing big Ten football right now. And it's amazing to watch. I, I talk about Northwestern. I mean, this is a team, in my opinion, that should be like, like the most consistent program out there. You know, maybe they don't have the highs that they have. Maybe they don't have the lows, but they're like the total opposite. They, they, go make the big 10 title game. And then they're like the worst <laughs> team in the conference. And then they make the big 10 title game. But then they make, and I, a part of me feels like it's completely based on who their transfer quarterback is that year. Like that's all that matters is who is their transfer quarterback that year. And did they get it right? Or did they get it wrong? Yeah. And, and who would have thought Peyton Ramsey was, was the guy they got right compared to yeah, Helensky yeah, I mean, and, and some, Hunter Johnson. Yeah. Two five-star kids coming out of high school. Um, and, and Peyton Ramsey, the guy who lost his job at Indiana, um, you know, was the guy who was able to come over and take him to take him uh, to, to Indianapolis. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, I think, I mean, one, it's a beautiful thing that all of these teams play each other. So they do. We talked about the Big Ten East round, Robin. How about that Illinois Rutgers Northwestern round round, Rob Robin? And it's good for them. I, I, I like <laughs> I, I, I'm all joking aside. I like the fact that these teams at least get a chance to play each other. And, uh, you know, you figure, well, for sure, at least two of them will get a win in conference play, maybe all three. So we, otherwise it, it could have been a possibility of two, two teams going winless in big 10 play. Yeah, no. And, and I agree. It is, it is fun. And it gives those teams a litmus test and, you know, I think I think you're going to walk out of this and know which of these teams is the worst team in the in the Big Ten uh, through this little mini round robin that they have. Now, I w is it fair to say that Northwestern is the most surprising team to be in this tier out of those three, at least? Yes, I mean Rutgers has been absolutely atrocious um, for multiple years now, and Illinois with a first year head coach with 
taking over a program that has been disappointing for for multiple years. Northwestern is by far the most surprising team to to be uh, to be here, and and to be honest with you, might be arguably the most surprising team one way or the other in this conference. They, it, they could very well be. I mean, I, I did like the under on them for six and a half wins on the season. I thought that was a little high. I thought I thought six and six was their ceiling. Um, granted, I did not think two and ten was their floor, which which right now it is. Yeah. You know, they have those wins against Indiana State. They have the win against Ohio. But those are the only two. You know, they don't have to win another game. They have opportunities to win games and. And, you know, I have faith in Coach Fitz. I think he's a good coach. Maybe he does turn things around in the second half of the season. It wouldn't be shocking. But I am, you know, I am a little concerned from the respect of this, Lloyd. And, and again, I, I love Coach Fitz, man. I think he's an awesome coach. I think he maximizes what he has there in Northwestern as, as well as any coach in the country, uh, you know, for, for the talent that he has. But it is a little concerning that, he loses his defensive coordinator, uh, Hank Hankwitz, and uh, who's been there for 13 years. He loses him, and then suddenly they can't really defend at all. And, you know, that 56-point game against Nebraska, I believe they gave up the most yards ever in school history. D- to me, that's, that's kind of like a head-scratcher, right? Yeah, and there's been let, – let, let's be honest, for, for those of you who are – newer Big Ten fans or younger Big Ten fans or a lot of years of bad Northwestern football where like, you know, the Northwestern that you've seen over the last, you know, five to seven years, it's a far cry from what they've been. And so to give up the most yards you've ever given up as a program says a lot because there were years and years and years of losing. Um, so, you know, I think it might be something where they've got to take a look in the mirror and say, hey, is this not working? Um, is this, is, and I'm going to be honest, I don't know this, but are they, are they still running what they were running and, and trying to, trying to fit that, fit that in? Do they need to change back to what they were running and, and kind of run the Northwestern system as opposed to, you know, what their new coordinator would like to run and because of the pieces that they have, but they need to take a look in the mirror and figure out who they are defensively, because that's been so much of the bread and butter of where their success has come in. I mean, even in the years where, they've been able to, to rack up those wins where they've been able to put together, uh, you know, nice runs into the postseason. It, it's never been a, a high-flying passing offense um, that, that has been put, putting the defense on its shoulders. Yeah, for sure. That's, it's, you're right. They, that's never been the case. The offense has always been kind of a ball control plotting, you know, let's run the clock down. We play with the highest grass in the country type of offense. Correct. All right, Lloyd, I think we did it, man. I think, and, and, you know, as you mentioned, you are an Ohio state guy. So I was, part of me was a little worried that midway through the show, you might say I've had enough and quit, but you know, I'm thankful (laughs) you you stuck with me for the entirety of the podcast. Hey, I'm a, I'm a big 10 guy through and through, um, you know, I, I think uh, when all the when all the Texas, Oklahoma, SEC, that whole thing was happening earlier this year, I, I think one of the things that I said to you was conceptually, like I, I would be okay with going to a all Big Ten like 
we only play conference games. All I want is to like wake up on a, on a college football Saturday and see like Iowa and Purdue, which, you know, might make me a, a nerd, but like the reality is, is like that, that's like big Ted football. Like, like you've got that per, like the Purdue like field and, and like, you've got that feeling of like, it, it's like both a nice day and a gray day all in the same game. Like the first half is like gray. The second half is raining. The second half is sunny. There's been a total of like 21 points scored between the two teams. I mean, like I, I love the big 10. So um, you know, whether it's the, those top teams or, or somebody down below, we're, uh, we love them all. They're like I mean, your kids. You, you don't have a, you love them all. It, it, it's a good thing you caught your wife's eye when you guys were younger, you know, because if you were a single guy and that was on your <laughs> Tinder profile, all I want to do is wake up to see Iowa and Purdue. I'm not sure. You I'm know, not sure you did well. You don't, you don't think there'd be a lot. Of, I mean, hey, maybe, I, maybe in much lot to get, there'd be a lot of swiping right, uh, right? I, I mean, maybe there'd be a lot of, hey, yeah, Bo- me too. Me boiler too. up. <laughs> boiler up, baby. Boiler up. Boiler up. You, I, listen, like, like you said, I'm, 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 I'm a lucky man, but, you know, it, it definitely was not because of, my, uh, because of my Big Ten football passion by any means. I've yet, I've yet to meet almost anybody uh you know especially especially uh back in those dating times where that the the enthusiasm for watching college football from noon until after midnight was something that was attractive <laughs> to somebody else <laughs> i mean listen that your your love for the big 10 did get you a swipe right from from a handsome older gentleman so in the in it the game of life did. and <laughs> the the that, that's how, how Danny and I met, and, and that's the story I'm sticking to. So, you know, we're, uh, but no, it was, it was great breaking it down. It's been, a, it's been a really fun first half of the year. Um, you know, I think it's been amazing to watch this Big Ten with the amount of, of top-level teams, uh, you know, to have five teams ranked where they are. It says so much about this conference. And, you know, really excited to, to see where it all pans out. And um, who knows, maybe we end up, uh, you know, at the end of the year doing this again. And maybe there's two teams potentially uh, battling both to both be in the playoff and, and not just the SEC that gets to talk about doing that. Yeah, you heard that, SEC? We coming. We coming now. Okay. We're, coming, we're coming for you. <laughs> Listen, you can keep your SEC chance. I'll, I'll, I'll rock with the B1G all day. All right, folks. Lloyd, thanks a lot, man, for – coming on and doing the whole show was a lot of fun uh we did this a lot in the past and it's always been fun basically folks this is what we do when we when we do hang out you know even when we're not recording a podcast you know i saw i had my daughter yesterday and she she was like what'd you do the last few days i'm like oh i got to hang out with lloyd and she was like you know how's how's his daughter doing i was like i don't know we didn't he didn't show me any pictures he didn't talk about that <laughs> like you know it's what do we you know we just talk about football it's that's what we do this is what we do absolutely so it was that, a great that's time that's our baby it's our that's baby right. that we take this care is, of together correct correct this is our child yes uh i'm your host <laughs> danny mogo you can find me on twitter at Dan, the big man, B1G man. And uh, obviously the podcast you can find on iTunes and all the other places you can listen to your podcast. 
and please rate review you know what everybody says at the end of the podcast show that works for me too. do it for me rate review tell me how much you like it tell your friends give me a critique if you got a critique tell me how sparty is going to win the big 10 east uh we love all the feedback and uh we'll be back later in the week or at least i will to give my uh big bets for week seven in the big 10 <laughs>